pasa la juca si no lo guarda con esa. Y el pum 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 Good evening and welcome to another episode of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, we got Danielle from Copa Tejas here with us tonight. Uh, unfortunately, that has come to a close for San Antonio FC fans. They're not going to be hoisting it up this season. Uh, but came a close for everybody. For everyone, but especially San Antonio FC fans. We were out last week or two weeks ago, whatever but we'll get into that here in a, in a little bit. Uh, we wanted to start off with a, a little recap here from our uh, game of the week uh, that everyone actually here was able to attend. Uh, UTSA took on Texas State and their season opener. And uh, as always here on the roundtable, my mother taught me my manners. So, Danielle, we will start with you. Uh, what were your thoughts kind fair. of? From the uh, UTSA uh, Texas State. More beauty, Harry. Um, so I was super excited because I honestly haven't seen any of the women's teams play here in San Antonio. So it was just such a, a delight to have that high level. I almost feel we went kind of from the WPSL, UPSL, and now with the UTSA soccer, it just took it up a notch. Um, so I really enjoyed playing um, another fellow friend of mine who we've been playing together for a few years. Um, she and I were both very impressed and we both really enjoyed watching that high level of competition. Um, the girls look great, the team looked great, and they just need to find the final touch in the last third. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we saw a little bit of struggle there as far as you know creating attacking chances and stuff like that. Um, Rafa, I was kind of curious just from a coach's perspective, you know, obviously final results, UTSA unable to get the three points would lose 1-0. Where do you think that UTSA kind of struggled a little bit, Rafa, in building that attack? I think they just struggled. They just couldn't crack the back four of Texas State. You know, you had Texas State pretty much playing counterattack, kind of parked the bus, you know, playing a 4-1-4-1. And they were just kind of picking their spots on. And like I said, Texas A had some good opportunities to score that number three or four. They did just miss wide. So they were just kind of suckering them in to, and then stealing the ball, getting them on the counterattacks. I think what UTSA needed to do, I know they did well touching the ball, but I think they started getting away from that too much with the kickball. Not enough, uh, you know, passes to space to create those crosses. And then also we weren't getting enough people pushing up. You know, we had maybe three or four in the box and there was no one on the outside, you know, to place one in. And you can tell that, you know, it was pretty much, you know, like I said, Texas State was parked the bus, UTSA just, just couldn't crack anything. Any shots they took from outsides were blocked. Except for one, a couple of good shots they won them and they barely missed. I think that, had they scored that one, I think they would have changed the momentum of the game. It really opened up, opened up Texas State. But, you know, I think hopefully, like I said, they learned from that game. You know, Coach made some improvements. And I guess we'll talk about, you know, their next game against Grand Canyon, you know, where they played on Sunday. Absolutely much different result uh, in that one. Um, you know, I, I felt like number 14 there for UTSA, uh, Ellis Patterson. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking that she was going to break one. You know, they kept feeding it to her kind of 
there in that corner uh, of the field for UTSA. Harry, I know we were talking there uh, after the halftime and you kind of felt like that might have been part of the issue as well uh, in terms of one-dimensional. Uh, what did you think in terms of UTSA's offense in that match versus Texas State? Yeah, and it wasn't just the offense, but it just seemed like it went down one side of the field. And it just, to me, it got very predictable. Um, you kind of knew what they were going to do. They, you know, they didn't cross over or try to flip it to the other side. It was, I think they came down with the left-hand side majority of the time on both halves. Um, it, it was just crazy how, how, you know, it was just, you know, they'd go down and, you know, the you, you had, what, a third of the field where there were no players, um, offensively or defensively, so... Um, but my thoughts on the game, like I said here, it was the first time I've seen UTSA women. Um, it was the first time I've been out to the uh, Park West Athletics Complex. Um, and I have to admit, as far as a facility, I thought it was very good, you know, very good. And, and like I said here, I'm probably going to be, you know, going out a little bit more uh, out to support, you know, them and, and other events out there. But, for you know, for my first college match, I was I was impressed on the atmosphere. I think you and I both commented that you know it was a, it was a good crowd turnout. You know, Texas State traveled down well. Uh, UTSA had had you know you know their half of the, of the the stadium pretty well filled. So um, you know, I walked away very happy. And and you know, I know it wasn't the result that uh, we were hoping for, especially going against Texas State, uh, your closest rival. But uh, you know, you know. I expect to see some growth uh, uh, from the team this year, and, and hopefully they can get uh, um, some better results coming up, especially this weekend where they have where they host the UTSA tournament, um, you know, on Friday and Sunday. <laughs> Friday and Sunday, yeah. And I thought it was a great atmosphere uh, out there for the match. You know, I'm sure you had a lot of people, a lot of alumni in town for the uh, hometown showdown, uh, and I know they were trying to recruit people from that um, out as well. And it uh, looks like we have Coach Fiddler joining us, so uh, we'll get to him here in just a second. But, uh, yeah, as you mentioned there, Harry, just to uh, kind of recap um, that, uh, upcoming UTSA tournament this weekend over there at the uh, West Athletic Complex, um, Friday, September 6th at 7.30 p.m. versus Cleveland State, and then Sunday, September 8th at 1.30 p.m. against South Florida. So we'll have an uh, uh, afternoon game there at 1.30 on Sunday. I'm sure that's going to be a hot one, but hopefully the uh, UTSA girls can get a similar result to uh, what they were able to do uh, out there in Phoenix against Grand Canyon. Uh, definitely bouncing back with a uh, 4-0 victory in that one. So uh, quite a statement, quite a turnaround there. And uh, we'll continue to watch them closely and see how the Roadrunners progress. But moving on to the other school uh, that was in the hometown showdown, We've got Coach Chris Fiddler joining us from University of Incarnate Word. Uh, we'll give him a, a second here. Coach, can you hear us? Yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Absolutely, Coach. Yep, we can We can hear you uh, loud and clear. Um, can, can you guys hear Coach Fiddler as well? Yes. Yes. Awesome, Coach. Well, again, thank you for joining us after practice. We know it wasn't ideal, but we appreciate uh, you coming on to talk to us a little bit uh, about the Cardinals soccer program. Um, tell us a little bit about your guys' uh, first regular season victory there uh, against UMBC, able to get a 2-1 to -one result there uh, on Friday. Yeah, no, it was a good result for our guys. Obviously, um, when the, the WAC rankings came out, everyone's kind of written us off. 
this year in front of like 2,300 fans. Um, so it was kind of a baptism of fire, especially for all our new guys that are coming in. Um, but they dealt with it superbly, and obviously we got the the away win and uh, took it on to Liberty on Sunday and got two away wins, um, which sets us nicely off for our next trip to Central Arkansas on Saturday. Absolutely. Coach Chris Fiddler joining us from University of Incarnate Word. Um, I was able to watch the match there versus Liberty, and I know Rafa and I were both in attendance uh, there for the preseason game. And uh, you talked about the defense kind of being that main area of improvement. Uh, I feel like we saw why you expect so much out of that back line um, from watching them in that match against Liberty. Tell us a little bit about that unit, you know, and, and kind of just what your expectations are of them for this squad. Yeah, well, obviously, after the Trinity game, um, you know, as a coach and staff, we sat down and, you know, we, we chewed the, you know, chewed over it and we kind of tweaked the system going into this road trip. So I'm actually glad that we kind of got a mall in against Trinity because it set us up and it allowed us to tweak a few things. Um, and looking back now, I think if we'd have set up the same way we did against Trinity, we'd have struggled this weekend. But as a, you know, as a, as a defensive unit, they were superb this weekend. They put their bodies on the line every 50-50, every 60-40 against them. You know, they were winning it. Even my goalkeeper, Carlos Mercado, um, made some fantastic saves to keep us in the game on Sunday as well. So, you know, out of that back four, we've just added one new guy to it. Um, we've got Mateo coming back from a season-ending injury last year. So each game that goes by and every training session, they're gelling as a unit. And we've got guys chomping on the bit on the sidelines, waiting for their chance as well. So I think as we progress throughout non-conference, um, you know, we can make it, we can solidify it even more before we hit in the conference games. Absolutely, coach. And before Absolutely. we get too far ahead into the uh, conference games and everything, I was just a little bit curious. Like you said, Carlos Mercado had a great day. Um, but the team came out and just looked great in the second half against Liberty. You know, was there something that you said to him at halftime, or was there an adjustment that you made in that match in particular that you felt like was a difference maker there in the second half for you guys? Um, yeah, well, I thought the first half was probably one of the most boring games of soccer I've ever seen. Um, but it's it's a Sunday game. Both teams have traveled on the Friday. We'd had a five-hour car journey on the Saturday. Those games, I, I kind of gave them a bit of a rollicking at halftime. Um, not because they weren't playing well. It was more about a gut check. It was who wanted that second half more. I told them at halftime that the game will finish 1-0. Um, and it, it's about who wanted it more. Um, and they came out all fired up. And it was a much better performance. But obviously with the conference we're in and the travel that we have to do, um, you know, it, it replicates what you know, we have to do in conference and those Sunday games on the road, that will be the difference winning those games, whether we make the postseason or not. Um, so I think the fact that they proved themselves, the guys proved to themselves that they can do it, um, will set us up nicely as well. Absolutely, Coach. And uh, in that match, it even came down to the last minute there. Uh, you know, Carlos able to make that save there and tip it over the net at the very end to – hang on to the three points. Uh, as you mentioned, you guys have a, a really tough schedule even still ahead of you with uh, four out of the next five uh, being on the road other than the match that you have against Our Lady of the Lake here in San Antonio. Uh, I know Rafa was kind of curious, you know, what expectations do you kind of set for the boys when you have a schedule that's just so travel heavy early on in the season? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it's difficult. We want to go into every game and try and win, but we have to be realistic. We have to rest guys and rotate guys, which is what we tried to do on Sunday. Um, and we'll do that with the Our Lady of the Lake and give some of the fringe guys that haven't played much the chance to impress. Um, but, you know, look, we started off fantastic with 2-0, and um, but this is that weekend's not going to define how successful of the season we are. So, you know, I think with the one game next week and then the one game the following week, our intention is, can we be four and up? That's the challenge I've set the guys. So if we can do that, going into the tools from Grand Canyon trips, you know, anything's possible, but it's about the guys believing in themselves um, and how much they want it and how successful they want to be. Yeah, and I know Rafa was a little curious about, um, you mentioned Tulsa and Oral Roberts, you know, in that trip. Is is that kind of a, a test? Not that you want to look too far ahead, but something that you guys have kind of circled there on the calendar? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the last road trip before conference starts, so we have to be um, smart as coaches and realize, you know, if someone's going to pick up a yellow card and miss that, you know, the first conference game, you know, we'll have to take them out of the firing line. But obviously, it's a big game for Miguel Velasquez, who transferred him from Tulsa, going back to his old school. So I know we'll be, we'll get him fired up for that one as well. But it's kind of fine tuning the system the way we want to play before we go away uh, at Grand Canyon, which, you know, their, their crowd is going to be even more fantastic. It'll be five, 6,000 people there, which will be a great atmosphere for our guys to open conference with. Well, I know we're looking forward to it, Coach. And uh, Harry, Rafa, Danielle, did you guys have any questions for uh, Coach Fiddler before we let him uh, wrap up his evening and, and get home? Not for me. I just wanted to wish him luck, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get out to – uh, the, um, you know, to, to uh, Gale and Tom Benton Stadium to, to catch a catch a match. Uh, I think the next home game is uh, on September 12th, which is a Thursday at 7 p.m., uh, you know, going on, you know, going on there. So, um, which I think is against uh, Our Lady of the Lake, uh, or no, it's pardon me. Yeah, Our Lady of the Lake Univer uh, University uh, is who they'll be playing that night. Um, so I'll be looking forward, hopefully, to attending that uh, that match coming up uh, on the 12th. Rafa, any uh, final questions or anything like that for Coach Fiddler? I just I'd tell coaches I'm very impressed with Carlos on the goalkeeping. You know, even watching him at the Trinity game, just his leadership. He's, um, you know, he's he's a go-getter. A lot of those saves he's made, you know, I think he's going to make make a, make a big difference in winning a lot of those close games. Yeah, no, I agree. He's, uh, you know, he got thrown in the deep end last year as a freshman, played a lot of minutes, and he's developed that. He had some good experiences training with some pro teams throughout the summer. Um, so, I, you know, he's learning every day, and he's getting better, and he's taking on that leadership role, and he's commanding his area now. So, you know, we're ecstatic with him. He's got a big future in the game ahead of him as well. Well, Coach, thank you again for joining us. Best of luck uh, against Central Arkansas uh, this upcoming weekend, and we look forward to seeing you against Our Lady of the Lake and uh, when you guys finally come back home from Tulsa. I appreciate it. Thank you for your guys' support, and uh, it'll be nice to see you guys at home next week. Absolutely. Coach Fiddler joining us from University of Incarnate Word. Again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a good night, guys. All right, good night, Coach. <laughs> 
So that was Coach Fiddler joining us from uh, University of Incarnate Word. Uh, I, definitely one of those guys that we're going to have to have back on the show on a uh, regular basis, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, oh, I remembered my question that I wanted to, I didn't write it down. So I was scrambling, but I was going to ask him about uh, McCarthy on how well he's adjusting from playing to actually coaching, but I missed that. We Next. dropped the SAFC ball here on the San Antonio soccer uh, table. Just goes to show you we're about more than just San Antonio FC. So next time, Harry, next time. But Disappointing. Moving right along in the show, we have another special guest, obviously, here with us. Uh, Danielle, um, you know, you were one of the, the two people who kind of spearheaded the uh, Copa Tejas campaign this year. I'm a little interested in, in just kind of hearing what that experience was uh, like for you and, and how you guys had kind of come up with the idea to kind of spearhead this. I don't know how many people were aware of who it was that was behind it. Um, so it has, it's gone by so quickly um, in the blink of an eye. Um, I can't even believe that we've already crowned a winner and handed out a trophy. But um, the origins were... Um, Steve Arters had kind of reached out to me because a couple of us, you know, you know, once we El Paso came on and Austin came on, well, we had four teams and, you know, we're all familiar with the Cascadia Cup and derbies and all that good stuff in soccer. And so it was like, well, this was kind of the obvious next step. And so Steve reached out to me and he said, you know, can you look up some names? And I got on Google so the origin of Copa Tejas, we had a number of names um, that we were going through, but obviously anything with Lone Star, the Lone Star Cup or the Lone Star Trophy, that um, had a ton of affiliations with the Lone Star soccer clubs, the youth programs, um, some other things. So that was kind of out almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I Maybe I should rebrand to have that or something. But um, so then... Anytime I put in something with trophy, I got a lot of hunting. So we just want to be very careful with that branding. And, you know, you don't want people looking at the hashtag, getting a bunch of like hunting pictures and that's never good. Um, so we kind of started looking at Copa Tejas and there wasn't anything that where the hashtag was taken, the um, Facebook and, and Twitter. So that was important to us that we were going to be able to kind of corner the market with that name. And then, I got on Twitter, um, secured the Facebook, the Twitter handle, um, the website. We created a website, www.copatejas.com. So you can kind of see a little bit more and um, some of the stories, some of the things people have mentioned about us, pictures and stuff like that. Um, but just social media has been wonderful because you can reach out to all of these other supporters groups super quickly, super easily. They were all responsive. Everyone was on board. Um, it took us a little while to connect with some of the folks in Austin and get the right people. Um, but ever, with the Queso Bowl, Evler Lee's army has kind of come back into action. Um, but El Paso and 8th Notch and the Stampede and RGV, um, from day one, they were on board. And the one thing I want to emphasize, too, is this is truly a supporters group. So it's not just me making decisions or Steve or any of the clubs everything goes back to all the supporters groups before we make decisions. And um, so we want to make sure that it, all the clubs are involved through their supporters groups. Um, 
And that was obvious because we handed off the trophy to the Eberly's army um, at the trophy ceremony. And then they in turn handed it off to the team because that's what it should be about. It should be about that relationship between the supporters, the fans who help, you know, keep the team alive and going um, and the team who's there for the the fans. So um, that's a little bit of our origin story, so to speak. Maybe, maybe we'll get some celebrities and have a bunch of uh, series on it, but it's just been so fast and it was so welcomed um, on social media and through so many people that I just couldn't believe um, how quickly it blew up. We were kind of like, eh, whatever happens. Um, but it was awesome this year. Yeah, well, awesome for obviously the Austin Bold uh, FC supporters. That is pretty cool, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. I did not realize the way that you guys did the trophy presentation was that y'all presented it to the supporters and then they presented it to the team. So mm-hmm. that that is pretty cool. What was the biggest obstacle? I'm just kind of curious. Like, what was the one thing that just kind of had you scratching your head and saying, what the hell did I get myself into? Like, why are we doing this? Um. So some of the challenges this summer – um and it was little things it was like steve and i were both out of town um or one of us was gone and then the other had to kind of stay on top of the social media and i think there was one week where it was like three copatejas games and i'm like we're trying to keep up with social media but when i the world cup in france i'm i'm sorry that was the only thing i cared about um copatejas is dear to my heart but um spotty internet and that was just a challenge in terms of just logistics but um we really balanced out very well i think the one thing that i would say that we were both like praying the game was determined this saturday is logistics we were like who's driving to el paso with the trophy (laughs) um we were getting ready to kind of like flip a coin for that um but that that's probably the biggest challenge but I'm telling you, things were so well received. The supporters groups talked to their front offices. They were on board. We had the news media. There was ESPN 760, um, El Paso Radio um, and TV were supporting it. Um, people in Austin were were retweeting it. Um, so, I mean, this past weekend I had the sideline reporter for ESPN retweeting about at Copa Tejas. Um, and so just the fact that she had heard about us was um, just so cool. Um, and so being on the USL show um, in Austin, whenever we went there, they're like, yeah, come on down at halftime. Let's get you on air. Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about the trophy at both halftime and the end of the game. Um, so really we've been received very, very well everywhere we've went and everyone's been um, so receptive of everything. Well, that's awesome. We look forward to uh, that rivalry growing, you know, with the addition of Austin, if they stay in um, El Paso. Hopefully this doesn't go anywhere for a long time. Where do you see kind of, I'm just curious with, you know, you got to see all the different supporter groups and all the different rivalries. How do you see those rivalries kind of lining up moving forward? So the cool thing was once Copa Tejas started, now everyone had a reason to watch the other games because now it's like, well, I need to watch SAFC versus Austin, even though I'm in El Paso, to see who wins. That's important to me. And so it just makes games have meaning. And we were talking about, you know, watch party. And those are the great opportunities because it's a long season, April to October. Um, and while we want to go to every watch party, that's a lot. But if you we can create something 
where supporters can come together for a handful of away games for those teams. It's awesome. And that's the big thing that we heard. Um, but I'm super excited. We have a lot of cool ideas um, for next season. But ultimately, what I want to see is I want to see the Copa Teos matches, which is only really three home games for each team, be kind of those keystone matches where, you know, you can't get hyped up for every game because there's so many. But if we can go all out with the supporters groups where they're all coming together and we're having um, huge um, tailgates and maybe kind of theming the tailgates and there's TIFOs for this and there's it's kind of like the special edition games. Um, I think that will help grow the supporters. Um, it'll help grow the fan base. It just will help grow the game and soccer um, in Texas in general. But I'm super excited the direction it's going. Um, we, I'm like, I just need some sleep because we were in Austin <laughs> Sunday night. Um, so we have plans to debrief with all the teams, see what they want. Um, I have I have my wish list, and if it was up to me, we'd have like marching bands and tons of mascots. Um, Copa Tejas matches, but <laughs> and I, the supporters groups they may overvote me on that. We'll but, start uh, with step one: don't schedule the matches on a Wednesday night. How about that? That's my experience. <laughs> right. Well, and now too, now that kind of people know and everyone knows oh it's a real thing with a real trophy i think the teams may try to be a little more sensitive to those things or aware although a traveling team may be like hey a wednesday night game is great for us a smaller fan base and safc um i mean oh harry what's up I, so that i've because both of our matches against el paso are wednesdays and i you know just like you i communicate with uh, eighth notch quite a bit I think that was the biggest miss. And, and to be fair, it's not just ours. The four corners, uh, you know, with, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and uh, which one am I missing? Colorado um, have the same issues uh, with it, with, with, with the Wednesday matches. So um, if USL is going to promote them, you know, like they have, which is outstanding, mm-hmm. uh, and get behind it, they've got to work with the clubs and the club. And I know. You know, some are in a baseball stadium. Uh, you know, El Paso get out of a ba- baseball stadium. Uh, but uh, to me, that's the big thing is they gotta stop on the Wednesdays because I think it would be awesome. You know, RGV the Stampede came up for the last one, and you know, yeah, it sucked walking out, and you know they happened to park right next to me. But so that was a little bitter pill. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to me, that's how that's how you build this rivalries. That's how you build this cup to be one of the best in not only USL, but possibly, you know, North American soccer here, where if you start to develop that history, if you can get some um, longevity with the cups and the teams and, and you know, you know, the, you know the, the matches on the pitch, but they can't be on Wednesdays. And, you know, I could see if, you know, Friday night, if you, you know, if you have issues, but these should be prime Saturday locate, you know, you know, Saturday times, because it's three matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> what we've had matches with, RGV on Wednesdays, I think once or twice. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Austin's were. Austin's is the only one that I could see being on a Wednesday, and that's only because it's 90 miles up. But I think, you know, just like with the Omaha, it, it affected doable. people going up there, you know, you know, just having to deal with the Austin traffic. But you can't have San Antonio and El Paso um, on Wednesdays, in my opinion. That's, that's unexcusable by the league, in my opinion. 
So USL championship, because you're listening tonight, get on it. I need you to adjust the schedule for next year. Um, But even coupling that with the idea of, I mean, you have in the EPL, they have the the Derby week and then MLS has rivalry week. Um, That might be something that they want to consider. So hotline USL right here. I said it first. having that rivalry week where you've already got the um, four corners, you've got us, there's something going on with the treasure chest in Florida. Um, you've got a well, why all not? West teams. They got stuff going on too. It's probably the wheat bowl or something. I don't know. Um, I'm sorry for my friends. I love the Midwest. Um, no, you don't. But I'd love to see that. I mean, talk about the direction that the USL is going Have that rivalry week. Um, but the one thing that we have to talk about, and I'm going to bring it up, and I think we all may, like, you want to choke me through this, but uh, can we just talk about how SAFC was almost there? Like, they could have they could have won it had they beat RGV and a couple other scenarios happened, but had they beat RGV up to nothing, a man advantage, and, yeah, and then we all know what happened, so... I'm kind of glad that like we even got to the point though where we were competing for it like when we were in the lead because they're for the like the first three games it was like oh shit this isn't going to be pretty like let's not talk about the Copa Tejas you know and then finally we were able to win a couple there um but Mm -hmm. no again I I know that was probably a lot of work and stuff like that for you guys so uh excited to see where that goes and everything and uh, all the work that you guys put in for that. Hopefully to San Antonio. We want it in San Antonio. It was such an awesome moment for the fans and the city. It needs to be in San Antonio next year. That's taking off my Copa hat and putting my SAFC. One thing that I want to congratulate you guys on is um, there's a picture. I know you guys put it uh, put it out there. I know Lincoln Rose uh, put a picture out, but where at least one members of the supporters groups uh, with their scarves were all at the uh, location and of course you and Steve uh, were there to ugly up the picture uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no that, that was that was the cool thing that I really enjoyed it from this past week where you had all four of the supporters groups um, that were there you know, I don't know if they were there when the trophy was presented but you know there are pictures of um, all four together and I think that's the key thing for this uh, you know since it is supporter driven uh, to have you know at least from the leadership of, of the supporters groups and I'm assuming most people there were um, in their leadership of the group to uh, all come together at least once or twice a year to, to kind of have that. And, um, you know, it would be very interesting to see the uh, uh, feedback session that you're going to have uh, just from the different views of uh, of the groups. And I know New Mexico wants to get in, but uh, unfortunately they're, they're not cool enough. Unless <laughs> you make the Wild Wild West Cup and then include Arizona. <laughs> Throw Phoenix in the mix. Yep. Oh, that might not be good right now, right? Dave? I was about to say, oh, do we ever year. want to win this thing, Rafa? <laughs> yeah, the Wild Wild West Cup for next year. They, they may never lose again. <laughs> so. Not that we need to uh, give any more kudos. Just, so speaking of Phoenix, I just want to point out that everyone who has these unbelievable records in USL, they don't, they don't win, win back. Yeah. So congrats on, on your regular season supporter shield, but – they're not going to be able to bring it all the way. They peaked too soon. I don't Let's know. hope they peaked uh, like a week too soon. Uh, as that's San Antonio FC's opponent, Harry. I guess we'll start with uh, you on this one since you made the bold prediction uh, 
last well, week. I said I was thinking about making the bold prediction. I didn't expect <laughs> Coach Powell to – well, I guess that's my fault. He did Coach Powell. You know, how do you sit, in my opinion, the hottest player, in, you know, in the league? And I know Asante from Phoenix is right up there, you know, not taken away from him. But to me, Piranha, you know, had player of the week two out of three weeks. And he's he's not there. And to me, when he wasn't there, how you know he's not there? It's very easy when you look at, what is it, the attack? Where is it? The crosses. So when Piranha's there, we don't cross as much. This match, we had 15 crosses. Our accuracy was 13.3%. That's the problem when Pirano's not there. You'd lose that middle, and, you know, it just they didn't get off the bus. Coach Powell, I, don't, I think he's still in Seattle because we're, you know, 5-1. How many subs did he make? Does anybody know? I didn't see he made one. He made one. He substituted. Yeah, for Lopez. That's it. What what was he doing? He didn't make any changes. It's just, you know, I don't even want to talk about the game. It was, you know, you can't the just it was it was a crap game. And and you know, how can you go from you know destroying Minnesota or not Minnesota but New Mexico to getting destroyed by Tacoma? You, it just it's it's especially being the last place team too. Well, and I think a lot of it comes to to just that back line. You know, we've talked about it all season as far as their marking ability or inability to mark. And it's like, you know, when a team starts creating chances like what Tacoma was able to do, they result in goals. You know, when we're able to just not let a team have any chances like New Mexico, it seems like that's the only way that we can prevent them from scoring is just not to have any attempts. But... I don't understand why Pirano was on the bench. I mean, I, I do get rest. Um, I do understand that it was Tacoma. It was the bottom of the table. And hopefully you thought your, your guys might be able to show up a little bit better than what they did. But, I mean, you got to have somebody outside of Pirano that can create some kind of attack. Because, like you mentioned, Harry, crossing has not worked for San Antonio FC very well all year long. I mean, this is nothing new. Just... If it was rest, why didn't he come in at half? Because l- let's be honest, even if you have a full team against Phoenix, the odds are you're you're not walking away with three points. It's just, you know, as much of a homer as I am, and, and I think San Antonio has the talent and capability to beat them, the odds are you're not walking away with three points at Phoenix. Against Tacoma, you needed those three points. It's you know, it's not like your first or second. You're you're mid table. You're you're now out of the playoff race right now. If the season ended right now, how do you not? And he's nineteen twenty, right? So if he's got an injury, put him on the injury list, and that way, you know, you don't have people questioning. Hey, why isn't Pirano there? Number two, where is the depth on this team? If Pirano is going to make that big a difference. If you don't have the confidence in your bench to come in and, and make changes, because at half, we were only down 2 nothing, So there was an opportunity to come in. If you get a goal, you know, we, we saw with what happened with RGV. 2 nothing is not an impossible thing to overcome. It's, it, it's just, you know, it's just they didn't show up. And, you know, I, I would say other words, but, you know, you know, I don't think that's fair to the team because I think the team tried. I just don't think. 
um, the staff put them in the right position. And that's all I'll say on that. Well, and, and kind of just to the point about the depth, you know, with injuries and everything else, it's been a roller coaster of a season kind of in that regard. We talked about depth being a problem for San Antonio FC and then them kind of addressing that with the Lopez signing and, and everything else. And it's like now, you know, with Gallegos being back in school and not able to travel probably on a Friday and, you losing know, some Bryant. of these younger players, yeah, losing Bryant and then Jamison getting injured, it's like, all of a sudden, all this depth that we had, I just don't know what subs you really, Powell even could have made to have been effective. Where's Rafa? Bring Rafa in. Yeah. They sent a picture of him today when they put him out. He's on the practice field. He's a, he's on contract. I know he's unofficially coaching the Athenians. But where is he? There's, I find it unexcusable for San Antonio FC to only carry six six players. We're at what the hell? We're not Tulsa. And, and this is no disrespect to Tulsa. They, you're Colorado Springs. We're not a low budget team. We can carry a full team away. We've done it every year. And I understand before during the summer, you were carrying an Academy kit. Hey, which I have no problem on. Cause most likely they're not coming in, but you got to get, get out of here. If you're only going to bring in one sub, mm-hmm. you got Phoenix coming in, put in some of the, you know, put in some of the bench players, get them some minutes, let yeah. some of the stars, rest if, if you're down down three, there, one four one there's it's and i know understand 20 minutes is is not a lot of game time but it's 20 minutes of wear and tear mm-hmm. and, and and to me it's it's it just it's game and i put this out there it's games like this one it's games like tulsa it's game like colorado springs that's going to cost coach Powell's job when he, when he plays against quality teams they play well, but when they play teams against, you know, that are lower in the level, that are lower in this part, lower in the standings because they're not lower in level, lower in the standings, they do not perform well. And and I know our buddy Todd, you know, you know, really hammered the, the, the coaching aspect of it because you look at the quality, their quality, their inconsistence, and that goes back to coaching. I don't think you're going to get too much argument from anybody on this show Uh in that regard, but very well said there, Harry. Very well said. So here's another interesting thing. If you know Gallegos is leaving and also with Ethan leaving, why aren't we on the waiver of wire and, and signing players? I'm looking at the – like so I'm on the Instagram page for the USO fan. And I see all these other teams stockpiling players, you know, for the I guess for that final push to get into the playoffs or the build death just in case they have injuries. Why are we not doing that? We have one big signing. Okay, that's well, well that's going to be the one that we're going to get us into the playoffs. Well, we need more than that. Mm-hmm. We're missing a veteran defender, you know, because our three defenders just don't not experience. You know, you know, they have some good days and got some bad days, but we still need some veteran leadership on, on the back three. Why don't we sign somebody? Go get somebody off alone from an MLS team that's out of the you know pretty much out of the playoffs. Uh, we can get another midfielder. You know, if you're not going to, like I said, where's Rafa? If you're not going to use him, then release him. You know, that way we can get someone else in to get on the spot or not. I think this game would have been perfect for him to play. Mm-hmm. If Rana was not going to play, put him in. He, I bet you his leadership, he would have helped that team out. Maybe would have come out with, with one point at least, not with getting blown out 5-1. to one. And plus so, it wasn't hot. It's Seattle. It's, yeah. it's just, you know, it, like I said, it's it, – 
it's and then this goes not only the coaching but also the general manager. You know what are what are you going to do to get us prepared to go into that to make a deep run, try to get into the playoffs, and but also get into it because we're going to need more than what we have now to beat Phoenix if we see them if we see them in the playoffs or if we see play Fresno because what what we have right now is not is not is not enough. Frank is not enough to carry this team. We need a couple other guys that are going to make a difference. So you mentioned why don't we go out and pick up defenders, quality defenders. My question is why did we let quality defenders go? Cyprian Hedrick is doing phenomenal. He has been like team of the week. He's got great leadership. He's great with the fans. Everyone loves him. How about Darnell King? He is tearing it up where he's at now. We had quality players that we let go and there's your defense. And anytime you bring in new players and a new team, we know they have to get used to the system. It helps when you have a couple key players who are already familiar with the system. But going back to the the crosses, um, you know, it should be the same system. It shouldn't matter. This is the game plan. This is how we play. We play better on the ground. We're not just gonna be like a bunch of high schoolers and kick it into the um, box and cross our fingers that someone's there. But every time they do that, it's like, did you even pick up your head and notice and eat way off to the top of the penalty area? Because actually high schoolers are smart and they're picking up their head and they're making those good decisions. So well, that, that formation they're playing, the 3-4-3, three, three, I've played it as a club coach. And in 15 games, I scored 75 goals. It's a run. It's basically kind of like the your spread option offense for, for football. It's, it's a running gun, go straight out attack. We're not seeing that. You should be averaging four to five goals a game with that formation. Now the problem is the back three don't know how to defend if they're on they're playing man or they're playing zone defense. If they're playing zone defense, they're not doing a very good job on you know on that. And I think that's what they need to fix. You know, you know, you're right. You know, letting King go and and Seaburn, if we had those players now, we probably would be a lot higher than we are today. Well, and I'll also point out in that when you only have three defenders, those midfielders have to get back in defense. Mm-hmm. You you can't you can't just go on offense and that's where we're going to stay. You have to get back because you're the first line of defense. You have to slow down that attacker because um, otherwise we're, it's going to end up looking like Tacoma, like oh, just railroad my defense mm-hmm. because on quick breaks. We're out. They're outnumbered. So of course they're going to get scored on when it's you know a four on three or a four on two. But yeah, those outside midfielders have to get back, and um, there are just times where they don't, or they're too tired, or hey, I made this run up. But that's where I like Pirano because he is hustling end line to end line all ninety minutes, even when we're up five to one against New Mexico. He was up. He was back. Anything in the area, he was getting. And we just don't ha- – we need a team of Piranos or we need people who have that heart like he does. Yeah, we talked about him backtracking all the way back on one that he lost, you know, and he, he's just that type of player where if he gives up the ball, he's going to go win it back. And you just don't see that too much right now, it seems like, for San Antonio FC. But they've got a, a pretty important matchup, as you guys have said, uh, against Phoenix coming up. Um, historically, you know, Harry, as you mentioned last week – San Antonio's kind of fared pretty well against them for whatever reason, be it matchup or whatever. Four, two, two. Four wins, two ties, two losses. So, 
What do you expect? Let's let's go ahead and we'll put a bow on this one, buddy, and let us all just kind of move on from this. But what do you what do you expect? What are your final thoughts, kind of, for this matchup uh, against Phoenix? So it's going to go two ways. We're going to either get the shit blown out of San Antonio. It's going to be five six to one, you know, Phoenix. Or San Antonio is going to show up and it's going to be like a four to three match. Um, the bad news is it, it seems you know, and you know it's 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 one of those bad news, good news type thing. Jason Johnson's going to be back for Phoenix, which uh, he was the gentleman that scored the first goal for San Antonio FC. So you know he's always a, a special place uh, in my heart. Uh, but then he destroyed that on opening night by getting the late winner. Um, he had a knee injury. He's been out, uh, but guess what game he's coming back for? Uh, it's San Antonio. So yay. Um, it's not dollar beer night. So that's a huge positive. Sam, thank you. Uh, you know, for uh, not scheduling it uh, on, fr- on a, on a Friday night, uh, dollar beer night. Um, it just depends on if they get off the freaking bus. Because this team has the talent to do it, I think you can. I think you. I think you can win a four to three shootouts. Phoenix can give up some. Can give up. Give up some goals, but the problem is you have to score first. If you can get on them early, that's the difference. If Phoenix scores first, it, it'll it'll just start it'll to real early. And um, the other interesting it, it, to me, the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, is Pirano versus Asante. I think those are probably two of the top small small guys, uh, midfielders that, t- to me, control the team. And, and I know it's crazy to think, but, you know, I think Pirano is the, the, the spark plug of this engine that, you know, how he goes is how San Antonio goes. I know uh, we all point to Frank, but I, I think the key is actually Pirano. And, and, you know, as we talked about last week on how much he's improved, um, Phoenix is the same way with Asante. Now they got a little bit more weapons around them, um, you know, with, with speeds of Fleming and John and stuff like that. So um, it's not going to be easy. Um, I'm still 50-50 if I want to pull the trigger on, on doing the hot challenge again. Um, I well, was about to burn last time, I guess. It's... Oh, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't. Wasn't a big. It's. It's not doing. It's just doing. It's. The problem is, why am I going to go in with no chance? Mm-hmm. And if we would, you know, we should have been the one five to one, you know, destroying Tacoma. It would have been a done deal. But it, I don't know if Pirano's hurt, and that's what I fear is if he's hurt, and they don't want to disclose that, and if he's going to set a, another match, which I don't think he can. But to me, until you can figure out, hey, is Pirano in or out? How? You know how can you make that? Because if he's not playing, it's a huge difference. I don't give San Antonio a chance. Mm-mm. Do no, you? I, I I no, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I I do like the chances of you know maybe a three three draw or like you say a four three just kind of slugger fest uh, between these two teams. Um, you know it's it's gonna Matt's gonna have to come out big. I mean, and and I hate to put it on him because. In certain situations, I know you know there's nothing he can really do, but I feel like this is just going to be one of those games where it's going to come down to a couple of key plays. I I, I think that that matchup that you mentioned with Asante and Pirano, if Pirano's healthy, should be a very interesting one. Um, I wonder if Asante can dive the way he does with Pirano walking oh, him, or does that look a little bit more silly because Pirano's like five seven? You know, no, but... he, dove, he dove again this week. He got a foul. 
and he, you know, he's just, you know, I, I, you know, I respect him and his, his ability, but his diving and, and I've talked with a few Phoenix fans, you know, it, it's kind of like Escalante when he was with, when he was with RGV, you just, you know, hated the guy for it. But when he was on our team, it's, Oh, Hey, it's not so bad. You know, give him a minute, give him a minute. He'll be up. <laughs> it's real this time. <laughs> well, what about you, Danielle? Uh, any, any key matchups or what are you looking forward to the most out of, out of this game? Uh, I think it's going to be like a two-two. Um, I think it's going to be a draw. I think it'll be a great game. Um, I'm looking forward to San Antonio playing, playing it on the ground, moving the ball well. Um, and some of the shots they're taking are unreal. Just those those outside the penalty area. Um, so it'll be really good. I'm. I'm just looking forward to good soccer. I just like it when we play good soccer, not ugly soccer. Not when we put a highlight reel up and it's like, but did San Antonio even touch the ball in any of these highlights? Um, so just good soccer where we can all as fans hold our head high. Um, and I and I think you guys are all right. We step up for big matches like Phoenix and we go in and we play them hard. Um, so, but... I will say I was really disappointed because had we won the RGV game, we would have gone from like 11th or 12th place to sixth. That's how close the standings are. So, um, I mean, I hope the guys are looking at that going, Hey, (laughs) one win we're in playoff playoff position. So, um, that's where I'm at. It's funny. You mentioned the, the possession and the highlights. And I know we talked about a pre-show, Looking at the highlights, you wouldn't think that San Antonio held possession against Tacoma for 59% of the game because on all the highlights, there it was nothing about San Antonio holding the ball. Well, we thought New Mexico was going to be that statement game and that we all wanted and everything, but apparently now Phoenix is going to be the uh, re-statement game that they'll make. So, Rafa, what about you, man? Any, any final thoughts for the show? Um, I'm not... As far as confidence in this game, you know, I just don't. Unless he makes changes, because I remember the first game. Now, the first game we played with a, a flatback four defense. You know, I don't think it's be wise to play a three-man defense with Phoenix, especially all the firepower they have. I think what we kind of maybe need to do, take a page out of little Mourinho and park the bus a bit. And then with if, nah. if Toronto is back – no, and use him on counterattacks. I think maybe that might be the the best tactic for this game is kind of parking the bus, you know, wear, let them wear themselves out, and then, you know, kind of pick your spots, you know, with Frank and Pirano and Barnby and Gomez. I think they have enough to do, um, do the counterattacks. You know, I think maybe playing a 4-4-2, something like that, or I guess or a 4-5-1, you know, maybe that just a club up space. Maybe we'll have a chance. But if we play with a three back, especially with this Phoenix team, uh, you know, it could be, it could be a shootout. But we're going to be in the losing end of the shootout. So a good feeling. Like I said, I don't think we're going to win. But I don't know. There's just something that you know against big teams. You know, we have that Jekyll and Hyde. You know. Got to be embarrassed after their performance. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think maybe that'll hopefully that was a good check for them to say, you know what, and we all we all won. And and I know this, 
and I know we've kind of discussed this, you know, previously early in the year, and we know they're not going to make any changes. But I think Coach Powell is coaching for his job with the remainder of the games here. There's, there's, in my opinion, there's no way he keeps his job if they do not make the playoffs um, on there. And and if you look at at the schedule for San Antonio FC, I think it's what eight games left. Three of them are at home. Five are on the road. Mm-hmm. And the ones at home, uh, what are Oklahoma City? Uh, what is it? Uh, no, Fresno. And Colorado, um, you know, so two of those three are not easy, uh, we'll say. Oklahoma City's always gives us, you know, hell, we've never beat them here in Toyota Field. Um, we beat them in Oklahoma. We've never beat them here, I don't believe. And then, um, you know, Fresno's, what, second in the league right now? Uh, you know, or in, in the West, I guess not league in the West. So, you know, it's – San Antonio's dug themselves a hole, and and like I said here, you know, it's you 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 drop this game against Phoenix, you're putting a lot of pressure like they did last year at the end of the year, and we know what happened. They didn't, you know, you know they went on their little trip away, and guess what? You know, you get Oklahoma City uh, on the way back, then they go to L.A. and uh, where where dreams go to dry uh, die, Tulsa. So, you know, you figure they've got what. Five matches and you know what day is today? The third, you know what third? So fifth, twenty days, twenty or twenty-five days. They've got one, two, three, four, five, five, uh, you know, five matches um, to finish out the uh, month here. So we will know very quickly how well this team does. I, I think we'll find out uh, by, by the end of September if, if we're still in this or not. We'll have a, another good matchup uh, on Saturday, September 7th uh, at 9.30 p.m. Going to be another late one playing out in Phoenix. But as always, we appreciate you guys watching and, and listening to the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. What's life without goals? We out.